I, I, don't know, I don't need to tell you who she is, do I? Because she's introduced herself. <laughs> That's all right. And um, isn't she a peach? <laughs> okay. So, as you've heard, my name is Ian. I'm one of the locals here. I'm not a pastor. I'm just somebody who shares up here sometimes. Uh, it's good to see so many people here today. Some of you are guests, some are visitors, some are our locals, of course, and we've already welcomed you here today. But it's good to be able to share the first sermon in the new year. Okay, it's 2024 already. Now, just to introduce my subject, I've got three very deep and meaningful questions I want to ask you. The first one is this, why don't, Christian, why don't radio stations play Christmas carols on Boxing Day? They don't, do they? 11.59 on Christmas night and it's over. Fortunately, in some of our readings and, uh, and on, if you watch Shine, there's a, been a, a lot of other things that have followed through that theme. But why do we cut it off so sharp right over, right after, right after Christmas? Nothing. Even on the Christian radio stations, the carols are finished. There are two Gospels that tell us about the birth of Jesus. And I'll tell you where we're going with this just in a moment. We're not going back into a Chris, so much a Christmas theme this morning. We're carrying on for there. But there are two Gospels that tell us about the birth of Jesus. And they are different. There's only Matthew and Luke. They're the only two Gospels that mention that mentioned the birth of Jesus. Are they, are they the same? Do they gel or do they conflict with each other apparently have you thought about that and one other question what did Mary and Joseph do after Christmas and so with that you'll get an idea of where I am going with this so on the eighth day after um, after Jesus was born um, it was time to circumcise the child and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the, room, in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now when you look at those verses, those two verses there, there's actually more in there than what you think. This, this is not all one thing. There's actually three ceremonial Rituals that they needed to keep according to the law of Moses, and they're all in there. The first one is that um, circumcision of the child and, uh, and the seven days that they had to be isolated. And then there is also the time of, for their purification according to the law of Moses, where they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So the first is basically at home, and second and third um, is in the temple. So let's go back for a moment and see where all of this comes from. This is what Leviticus, this is not going to be real, real deep, all right? This is just laying the foundations as to what actually happens here. All right, so in Leviticus, while they are still at the mount, Moses gave them these instructions, and it's written down in the book of Leviticus. And when a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days as she is unclean during a monthly period. And on the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Okay, so Mary and Joseph follow through on this. 
And then it carries on to say, and then she has to wait for 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything, uh, anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. Remember they had a tent. They were just building it at that time. They had a tent, not a temple. But the ceremonies were the same. And if she gives birth to a daughter for two weeks, the woman will be unclean. As during her period, then she has to wait 66 days to be purified from her bleeding. I have not figured out yet quite what it is with girls that it takes twice as long for the mum to recover, but that's the way it is, all right? So let's come back to... Um, oh, hang on, one more thing. When the days of her purification for a son and daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. And, she sh and he shall offer them before the Lord and make atonement for her and then she'll be ceremonially clean from the flow of blood. All right? These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. But... If she cannot afford a lamb, she used to bring two doves and two pigeons. All right? And so she can do, use two doves and two pigeons instead of a lamb and either a dove or a pigeon. Back to Luke. When the time came for her their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So what does that tell you about Mary and Joseph? Is there something in there that stands out? Stands out? Going back, if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves and two pigeons. So it tells you something about who these, this couple is. They are not well off. These are poor people that are holding the baby of Jesus. Yeah. And so they come, and there's no mention about a lamb. Instead of that, they bring this more affordable sacrifice, what they could afford, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. It could have been either. We do not know which one it was. Okay, so they went and they did that. That's on about or after day 40 after the baby is born. They come to the temple and they offer these sacrifices and they're about ready to go home. And as they're coming back out again, there is a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. And it had been revealed to him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. All right? So they're leaving to go home and they're intercepted by this man. Um, and then Simeon takes the baby of Jesus in his arms and he praises God and he says, I am the servant now, I can die in peace. Because you made that promise to me, he said. Um, and I've been waiting for it, I've been waiting for it, I've been waiting for it. And what you, with my own eyes now, I have seen what you have done to save your people. So he did that. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about them. 
And then Simeon blesses them and he says to Mary, the, ma- the baby's mother, this child is a sign to cause many in Israel to fall and others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul. So here is this interception. This, it's like being in the aisle on the way out of church, but this was in the temple. They met Simon and he says all of this stuff to her. And just when they think that that is all over and now they can go on again, they meet somebody else. Here's Anna. Anna was a great age. She, had, she was married for seven years only before her husband died. And from that day onwards, she stayed in the temple night and day with, uh, there with fasting and prayer night and day. And the moment she came, began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. So that's what she did. So it was a busy day. And apart from the sacrifices which they, uh, and the dedication of the child which they had planned to do, all of this was totally unexpected. And then when they were finished, it says, when they finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Now, do you get that? This is important for what, what comes next. They don't go back to Bethlehem. They, are, they move from there to Nazareth. Okay? So park that in your mind just for a moment because I'm going to go to the other story of the nativity um, now in Matthew. And this is, and this is quite a different story. This is the story mostly about the Magi. But uh, the differences between these stories are extremely interesting because Luke tells the lengthy story of the birth of John the Baptist and then the birth of Jesus. You've read all the stories. We've had it all in the lead up to Christmas. We're not going to go over it again today. But then it tells overall Mary's story rather than Joseph's. Then we go over to Matthew and if you look at the first couple of chapters of Matthew, Matthew tells Joseph's story. He starts off with his genealogy. It tells the story of the angels speaking to him about taking Mary to be his wife because he was engaged to Mary and he found out that Mary was pregnant with baby Jesus and he didn't know what to do or make of all of that. And we've talked about that in the lead up to Christmas as well. It, the tells the story of the actual birth in about one sentence only. And then he goes straight on to write to talking about the Magi. It's quite interesting, isn't it? And the Magi so let's read. Let's read a little bit. Jesus was born in Bethlehem on Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, Magi from the eastern lands, arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And so these men, these are mystery guys, really, aren't they? They come from away out the east somewhere, maybe in the area of where Iran is today, um, they are astronomers, they, they look, at the st- look at the stars and they see things in the stars and they see this star which 
eventually they realise that this is a star of significance, that they knew somehow that this has to do with the birth of a baby, namely the baby Jesus, the king to be the king of Israel. And so they come. They arrive in Jerusalem. They don't know where they're going to find the baby. They arrive in Jerusalem and they start asking questions around. And if they had a chance to read the story first, they would not have gone anywhere near um, Herod, would they? But they didn't know. They were there wanting to know where this baby was going to be born. And so they, Herod, when he hears about it, he calls for an interview. He asks for, for some advice from the scribes and the Pharisees in his country. And they tell them that the baby is to be born in Bethlehem. And you know the story. Uh, they, are, they, sent, they went off to Bethlehem to find him. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them right to Bethlehem. Now this is obviously a miraculous thing that has happened, all right? The reading of the stars, that's something that, was, that they were trained or knew, understood how to do. But, and so they were looking at a star. When it says that we saw a star in the east, that means while we were in our country in the east, all right? It doesn't mean that the star was out to the east. If they'd followed that, they would have gone to Italy. But they came, it guided them. They, they saw the star, they knew what it was about, and they came to, to, uh, to Jerusalem, and then they went on to Bethlehem, and the star miraculously guides them right to the very place where Jesus was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. And of course the question is, when did this actually happen? All right? Luke tells the story about the shepherds coming in immediately after his birth. There's no doubt about when they came in. With the wise men, there's a lot of speculation about when this may have happened. And some tend to try and push it out as much as two years. Why two years? Because that uh, was the time uh, Herod killed all the babies up to two years to make sure that he got it all. But can it be that far out? And uh, another, a couple of words that I highlighted there um, because these words seem to inspire people to make this event much later than maybe it really was. It says about them entering the house rather than in the crib or the, uh, or the manger, or the stall, as the word uh, in the Greek says. And they, it also uses the word child, which to some would indicate that he could have been much older. But that is the word that it is translated from. It is still, it is a word that means infant or baby in the Greek. All right? So we're still talking about a baby which is quite small, or can be, yeah. And then after the wise men are gone, God warns them not to go back to Herod. And so they skedaddle away down to the south probably and back to their home country away via a different route. And then when Herod finds that he's been double-crossed and they're not coming back to tell him anymore, you know the story about how he went out and he killed all of those two-year-olds and younger young boys in, in um, uh, Bethlehem. 
But during the night, God, the angel of the Lord, appears to Joseph and he says, Get up and get to Egypt because, and stay there to, uh, until I tell you to come back because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so, and so Joseph gets up in the middle of the night and away they go. They don't wait for the morning to explain to the neighbours where they've gone. They don't make arrangements for somebody to put the wheelie bins out next morning, you know, because they're not going to be there. In the morning, when the neighbours get up, Mary and Joseph are gone. They don't know where they've gone, and that would make sense, wouldn't it? Because they couldn't be, the neighbours couldn't be held responsible for trying to hide them. How long does it take to go from Bethlehem to Egypt? I did what I could to research this, and it would take about a minimum of seven days. We don't know where in Egypt they went to. We don't know what they did when they got there. Did they stay in one place? Did they move around? But seven days down at least and seven days back again. That's could be more. Could be more, yeah. And anyway, that's what they did. And they stayed down there until Herod's death. And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to and a dream to Joseph in Egypt and says, take the child and his mother, go back to Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. And so they did that and they come back. Okay. So they went back to the land of Israel and then they hear when they are in Israel um, that Archelaus was reigning in his father's place. And he's still scared because he has got this reputation and so when they pray to God about it, God directs them to go to Nazareth. That's the two stories. The reason that they would want to go to Nazareth, it's important just to have a look at that. Okay, On the map there, you can see, um, and one of these is supposed to be a, uh, uh, a pointer, I think. Yeah, there we go. So there's Bethlehem down there. There is Nazareth way up there. And then we've got this country of Samaria in between the two. And if you remember back to what Craig told us when he was doing with some of those earlier sermons on, on the Nativity, it's about a four-day journey. It's about 70 miles from top arrow to the bottom arrow. They left there. That was where they were born. All right? They came down to Jerusalem and Bethlehem before the baby was born. That's how long it would have taken. 70 miles as, a, as the crow fires, that's about 110k um, you can't go in a straight line, can you? There's mountains and all that kind of stuff. So it's about a four-day journey. That's what's expected. So when Mary and Joseph took, um, took the, Mary and Joseph took the, the baby Jesus up to Nazareth, Nazareth in Galilee is under a totally different jurisdiction. That's not Herod's country anymore. That's why they did that. And of course, they had lived there before. Okay. And uh, in between them, there was also that country of Samaria, which the Jews did not like the Samaritans. You can read about that in John chapter 4. There are other, other stories that surround all of that. And some of the Jews, when they went from one place to another, they would actually circumnavigate Samaria altogether. They would go around the outside of it rather than go through the middle of it because such was the depth of um, 
of hatred between, uh, between the two countries. All right. So it made perfect sense to take Jesus back up to Galilee where he would finally be safe and grow up as a little boy. So going back then to what we actually have covered so far, um, on day eight, we read about the circumcision and the, maiming, and the naming of the child. That's when Jesus was given the name Jesus, um, as that was what the angel had told Joseph he had to do. And then there was day 40, where there is the presentation in the temple. Okay? So it doesn't have to happen right on the day 40, but immediately those 40 days are passed, then they can do this presentation to the temple, and that's what they did. So that's about six weeks. And then after that, it said, they left for Nazareth. So where did the Magi visit actually come in? And you can see that if they left the temple after day 40 and went from there to Nazareth, we cannot have this wise men's story coming in after that time. Otherwise, they would have had to go to Nazareth. And that makes you think, doesn't it? So when did it happen? Well, in my opinion, there's only one place where it can go, and that's up there prior between the birth and day 40. All right? It is likely that it didn't happen before the circumcision and the naming, because there certainly wasn't time to go to Egypt and come back in that time. But there was time for them to do that before um, they went to the temple. But they'd be on the run, wouldn't they? And I think this is the point that comes out of this. You know, they, they accepted the responsibility that God had given them to care for Mary was to birth this baby Jesus. Joseph's role was to be the carer of Mary and the baby, as a husband does. And he takes this on himself, on the request of the angel. He takes this on and he looks after Mary. So in the middle of the night, down there in Bethlehem, when they skedaddle down to, down to Egypt, so in the middle of the night, they load up the donkey. Did they? Did they? Did they have a donkey? Did they? You think so? <laughs> when you find it, come and tell me. <laughs> I'm not saying that they didn't. All right? But somebody pulled me up on this after I preached on this the first time and says, what about the donkey? Hey? Yeah. Yeah, they may, they may have, but these are poor people. They may not have either. And they may have walked all of this. Yeah, I hope that they did have a donkey, but the word donkey doesn't come up in the narrative at all. Yeah. So how does it fit together then? There wasn't enough time for them to go to Egypt and then come back to Israel and then go on to Nazareth and then come back to uh, what do you call it, Jerusalem again for the presentation. So in my opinion, and you're welcome to research this for yourself, but I think that they arrived back 
from Egypt in time to go to the temple for the presentation and the two narratives come together at that point and after the presentation that may even be that in the process of doing this going to the temple they find out about who's actually ruling in the place of Herod and the decision to go to Nazareth comes out of that but anyway God tells them to do this and they finish up going back to Nazareth so that's a big thing isn't it Four days walk to get to, to um, Bethlehem. The baby is birthed. Then they are told to, to run because somebody's going to try and kill the baby. So they go down to Egypt. They come all the way back from Egypt again. They do this presentation and then they go another four days journey away back to uh, Nazareth, which was there where they, had, they were before it all started. They went back there Again, and after that, they brought the baby, Jesus, to the temple every year. Every year they brought him once. Um, uh, you read that in, in Luke. Yeah, if you read on in Luke, it tells, it tells you that. And that also includes, you know, when he's 12 years old, that was one of those trips where they went to the temple and on the way back again, it was two days into the journey before they realised that he wasn't amongst them and they had to go back and find him again. Yeah. That's quite a story, isn't it? That's quite a story. Okay, so, but however, it is not part, it's not just an exercise in cleverness that we can work all of this out. It's interesting, it's fascinating to me, it's fascinating. But surely there has to be a message in all of that for us today. So on the first day of the year, let's take some points out of this. So for the number one thing is understanding the scriptures, the credibility of the scriptures. There are differences between the Gospels, the, various, the different stories about various parts of Jesus' life, and that includes the lead-up to his crucifixion as well. And hopefully I can talk about that one day in the future as well. But for us to understand, to look at these stories and to be able to fit them together and have confidence in the, in the Scriptures that they are true and right, it's important. I think, I think it's important because it's, it gives us credibility. We had a man stay in our house just recently who, who used to teach in a Bible school. Um, and, you know, he was well, well trained in the scriptures. And he told me, he said, I have never been able to reconcile Matthew and Luke and those two stories. To me, he says, they don't fit together. They must do, he said, but they, I can't figure it out at all. Now, I'm not saying that I've got it figured out, but there is a likelihood of it. The important thing is uh, that we have an, an acceptance and can see how the scriptures are divinely inspired and they, they can come together. The second thing is Joseph's commitment to obeying the angel's command. Now, Many years ago, some of you know my story from a way, way back. I call it my first life when I actually um, married a woman and adopted her little baby because she was quite, they, um, there was so much prejudice and stuff going on there. And I took them out of all that. I gave them a life. Um, yeah, and 26 years that lasted. But... The story, yeah, in that time we also had other children and the irony of it all is that after um, all of these years um, we had three other children, two of them passed away, one I don't know where she is 
right now. I haven't heard from her for 10 years. It's one of the sad parts of my life. My, my family now is this same girl that I adopted way back when she was one year old. And sometimes I look at her and I wonder whatever may have happened to her. Where would she have finished up if I never did what I did? It wasn't easy. It really wasn't easy. There was so much stuff that was going on in those early years. Yeah, but anyway, she is there and she is now, and her, grand, and her, her children, who are my grandchildren, and even one great-grandchild. Great yeah, so here she is. You know, I did that. Now, for you people here today, you will have different stories. Um, life can, you know, we, we embark on a journey in life. Maybe we, we marry and we think it's all going to be roses and stuff. And as we go on, it's not like that at all. And things go wrong. A child may be disabled and we have to look after the child throughout life. It's a long thing. Or we may find ourselves dealing with addictions in one of our partners, one or the other. There's so many things that I could come up with scenarios which make life difficult for us. You know your own story. And I think the, the point that I want to bring out of today is that of persistence. Wherever, whatever life journey we are in, persistence, we need to keep going. Can you imagine Mary, uh, Joseph thinking, what on earth did I get myself into here? As he's fleeing around the country, going down to Egypt, coming back from Egypt, and all of the stuff, you know, for a little baby which he has taken responsibility for as requested by God. He takes that responsibility and he keeps going, and he keeps going, and he keeps going. Jesus said when he was older, Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up my cro your cross and follow me. And that is the message to us, that life might not always be easy, but what we have committed ourselves to, if it's in God's will and if it's in his plan, we need to keep going. So if you're looking for a New Year's resolution... That's mine, just to keep going. Persistence, yeah. And then there is one other point, and that is about these interceptions that happened. And I said that I would come back to this Simeon and Anna one. For Simeon, this was a fantastic thing that happened in his life. God told him that he would handle that baby and see it. And then he was, he was so excited about having, when it happened that he prays to God and says, I can die now. I can die now. You've kept your promise to me. But I want to suggest today that Simeon's interception visit where they met there in the temple and with Anna, who came in afterwards, they weren't for them. These interceptions were not for them. It was great for them to handle that baby, but I think the responsibility, the load, what God had planned out of this was for Mary and Joseph, not them. And there are things in life, you know, when, we, uh, when life becomes a journey and we are struggling, sometimes things happen, don't they? I've had it happen so many times where something has happened that gives us real encouragement. God intercepts in some way 
and shows us and helps us and shows us that he is real and he is beside us. And some people might say that's just coincidence. But if you have something happen in your life and you know it's not coincidence, a verse of scripture, somebody who comes to meet you, somebody that gives you a lift, take it as from the Lord. Yeah, because he does that. He did that for Mary and Joseph. They needed that. They had been on the run since probably about a week into the, the, uh, after the birth of, of Joseph. And here they are now in the temple and they meet up with these two people. And Mary said, didn't she? She kept them in her heart. She could see that God was encouraging her. And these things are happening. She was in a, in a story that was bigger than just her and Joseph themselves. And this is what she said. And his mother stored all of these things in her heart. So that's my message to you today. The first day, first Sunday of 2024. Let's just pray as we close. Father God, we just thank you for the privilege of opening your word today and cheering about these stories that happened way back when Jesus was born, after Jesus was born. Joseph was a real hero. He really was. We've been singing about heroes this morning. And so was Mary. And we acknowledge the part, the role that they had to play in those early years. We just want to pray that today as we leave this place and go and do whatever we have planned for the day, that we will not forget that you have a plan for our life as well. And it is connected to Jesus again as well. Yeah, it's all about him coming into our lives and saving us. But the day-to-day -day that we are involved in, sometimes we do need tremendous encouragement. And so we just want to pray, Lord, that that will happen for us today. May we be persistent in the things that you have assigned for us to do. Amen. Yeah.